0: Everybody. welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. My name's Jeff. Joining me, as always, my co-host Mark A. Johnston. Mark, we took a we took a week off. Uh, did you how, Did you survive?
1: I, I did okay, but I felt like I lost some knowledge in there.
0: Well, trust me, you're not going to gain any knowledge from this podcast. It's
1: no, that's true. It had nothing to do with the podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Because this podcast, I've been told, sucks the knowledge right out of your.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like Homer Simpson said: every time I learn something, it pushes
0: something else out. Well, if you are in fact going to learn anything from this podcast, I'm sure it will be baseball related and you know utterly useless. That's what we do here. But uh, yeah. let's let's get right into it. We've had a we've had a week off for the holidays, so we got a lot of baseball stuff to talk about. Let's jump right in to our BP segment. Mark, I got a question. This is not the trivia question, but this is a good question that. I know, but I mean, I had to sit and fool around with this for a while to figure out an answer. So I'm not expecting an immediate one here. Can you give me off the top of your head the MVP winner with the most consecutive consonants in their name? <laughs> this wow. is now it's fame on social media during the offseason of baseball. It is this is the kind of stuff you get. <laughs> yes. so this is prime off season material. But oh, uh, since
1: zabchinski didn't
0: have a, an MVP No, uh, and he he was there there's had he won the MVP he would not be the answer either.
1: Oh, ah, okay. I don't know, man. Nope, I got
0: no guess. I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let that marinate until we okay. get to our or the end of BP here and then I'll give you the answer. So, everybody else just kind of think about it. MVP candidate with the most consecutive consonants. That's a hard word for me to say, in their in their name. Uh, now, Mark, I think the, uh, the Hall of Fame vote is coming up here pretty soon. We're recording this awfully early this week, just uh, for everybody's knowledge. So I think it might actually be this weekend. Don't quote me on that, but we're going to miss it. We'll have to talk about it later. But the names of the 16 members that make up the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee that are voting... On on who's going to get in here? We're released, and some interesting names. So we've got on this committee, we've got Chipper Jones and Greg Maddox. So right there, two highly respected wow. uh, Hall of Famers. Yeah. Next, we've got Jack Morris, a a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, I won't put adjectives in front of his uh, his title, but he is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Hall of Fame
1: pitcher. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Then we've got uh, Ryan Sandberg and Lee Smith. Very nice. Frank Thomas and Alan Trammell, which is interesting that Trammell's on this, but and Lou Whitaker did not make the final, yeah, uh, know, the up final with that. cut. But uh, after that, we go uh, non players. We've got Paul Beeston, uh, used to be a big wig in, in Major League Baseball, or maybe he still is. I'm not sure. Theo Epstein, who, of course, I think Theo Epstein's going to be in the Hall of Fame himself probably at some point. I would point. think so, yeah. Uh, Artie Moreno who, of course, temp- or at least currently owns the Angels. Marlins president, Kim Ng, who I know I'm saying that probably wrong, and I apologize. Uh, Dave St. Peter, who I do not know who that is. And Ken Williams, who I think Billy Bean fleeces quite often. Uh, also, other members of the committee are historian Steve Hurt, Lavelle Neal, and a uh, local reporter here from... Uh, san francisco area used to cover the a's now covers the giants susan slusser so those are the people that are going to be voting on uh on who's getting in you know into the hall of fame 12 of the 16 must vote a yes for a player to be inducted now i don't mm-hmm. know why they're doing this because we already took our vote a couple weeks ago so we already know who's gonna make it right they aren't listening no they're not paying I, attention i guess not and i don't I, they should really listen to that episode Yeah Uh, This is something I did not know about Ricky Henderson Really? Yeah Miguel Cabrera has announced that uh, next year is going to be his final year He's going to retire Going to do the tour kind of like Albert Pujols did Well, Miguel Cabrera is the last active player to have played against Ricky Henderson Oh, wow Yeah, as a rookie He was in the lineup for the Florida Marlins in 2003 when Ricky was with the Dodgers Oh wow So this is going to be it There will be no more people that have played against Ricky Henderson After this next year Ricky by the way went one for two in that game With three walks Oh of course Doing Ricky things at 65 right. years old it's Very Ricky like <laughs> uh, Pie Trainer Harold Is that his I, I don't even <laughs> I know, know his, Harold. his yeah. first name But yeah Pie Trainer yeah, Harold Joseph Trainer. How did you know that off the top of your head? That's impressive. An old friend. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you probably went to school with him. Uh, <laughs> Hall of wow. Famer, two-time All-Star, won a World Series. Uh, spent his entire 17-year career with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, remarkably, not much black ink here, but he had a lifetime average of 320, knocked in just a ton of runs, was a triples machine. I mean, he had double digits and triples almost every year of his career. Obviously a Hall of Famer. Well, this is something I just learned about him. Pie Trainer was a wrestling announcer in Pittsburgh in the 1950s. Wow. Yeah. That's apparently, awesome. Apparently very well known as a wrestling announcer, too. So the show was called Studio Wrestling. It was a program on... Uh, The station is WIIC in Pittsburgh, and it was on every Saturday from 6 to 7.30, I'm assuming in the evening, and uh, this was a very popular show. Names uh, of the wrestlers that you might recognize, Bruno Sammartino, Gorilla Monsoon, a young but still probably very hairy George the Animal Steel. (laughs) Who would have ever thought that Pie Trainer would have maybe... Interviewed or spoken to George the Animal Steel. That's definitely something you're only going to learn about here. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> trainer was famous for reading ad copies during these uh, these wrestling matches, and one of them was uh, very popular for a, a local heating company called American Heating Company. The, the the tagline that was so famous is he would say, "Who can American?" And apparently, people would stop him and yell this at him. You know throughout the city whenever they would see him but people would say hey pie how did you get into wrestling why you're a hall of famer and he said well quote wrestling it's the only honest game left so <laughs> did not sure. yeah sure, yeah he's got inside info i guess interestingly enough trainer was also inducted into the keystone state wrestling alliance hall of fame so, Ugh, I've been
1: trying to get into that for years. Well, you,
0: as far as I know, have never resided in Pennsylvania, nor have you ever been involved with professional wrestling. Correct. But still, you would think, you know. Well, Pie Trainer is there, a two time Hall of Famer. Can't. I mean, yeah, nice. No, it's yeah, yeah. can Halls that. of Fame. Yeah. Is it Halls of Fame or Hall of Fames? <laughs> Something, I don't know. It's, it's Pie Trainer. We're just going to call it Pie Trainer. Uh, All right. Before we get to our trivia question, uh, I want to just any anything that's popped into your head about the MVP winner with the most consecutive consonants in their their name. Okay, I had a thought. Yeah. Is it Paul Goldschmidt? You are absolutely you are correct. Ding, (laughs) ding.
1: It just struck me. I was like, let's see. Let's start at the newest. There we go. Yep.
0: (laughs) Six consecutive consonants in their name. And I thought, well, then how about Mike Schmidt? But no, because Schmidt is doesn't have the D and the or the L and the D from Gold in it, right? Uh, yeah, that is the peak of off-season baseball chatter, right there. Is yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and congratulations. I'm wondering, Thank you. if you. anybody else came up with that one? Uh, trivia question from last week, Mark. Who has the most hit-by-pitches to lead off a game? Now, I did. I did make sure to mention, you know, because I, I say if the answer can be Ricky Henderson, the answer is always Ricky Henderson. The answer could be Ricky Henderson, but I'm telling you the answer is not Ricky Henderson. So okay, well, I'm
1: going to guess Ricky Henderson. Yeah.
0: Well, well, you know, you're one for two today. Very yes, impressive yes. with the, the Paul Goldschmidt. But no, it is Hall of Famer Craig Biggio, which That's actually, actually shouldn't have. It shouldn't be much of a surprise. Right. He got hit by a no, lot he- of pitches. A lot. Yeah. And he did lead off uh, quite a bit during his career. So mm-hmm. congratulations to him. In second place is uh, a member, uh, an extended member of the Star Wars universe. It's David Eckstein.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who's, uh, of course, married to, I forget her name, but uh, she voices Ahsoka Tano on uh, the yes. Star Wars Rebels. So Congratulations. My dog, also named Ahsoka Tano. Very nice. One of them. But All right. So there you go. There's our trivia answer. I got a new question for you here. And uh, I'm kind of stuck in in the leadoff category because uh, it used to be leadoff batters stole a lot of bases like Rick Anderson and Craig Biggio and so forth. Oh, but, yeah. Those days. Yeah. So I this is a stolen base adjacent question. Who is the heaviest player to ever steal a base? The heaviest, the heaviest player to ever steal a base. Now, Cecil Fielder stole a base, but he is not the answer. Wow! Yeah, think about that. This is a it'd be a little bit tougher to to figure this one out, but it is doable. That's it for our BP segment. Let's head into the main segment this week, Mark. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it uh, this week. I was uh, thinking of some of the things that I wanted to talk about recently, and I realized I hadn't really done a show on a team for a while. We've been centering on a lot of players uh, individually recently, so I wanted to do a team. I've done the, the 1899 Spiders, which was, uh, was something. Uh, this is a team much in the same vein. I want to talk about the 1988 Baltimore Orioles. More specifically, I want to talk about the first month and a half of the 1988 uh, Baltimore Orioles. So, 1988, this is five years removed from having won a World Series in Baltimore. And uh, the Orioles uh, head out on the field on opening day. Brewers are in town to take on the O's. And uh, in what would be a precursor of things to come, the Orioles forgot to apparently show up at Memorial Stadium. Teddy Higuera struck out seven in seven innings, and the Orioles lose a nail-biter 12 to nothing. They mustered only five hits, but hey, it's just one game, right? This lineup has Cal Ripken Jr., Eddie Murray, Fred Lynn. They're definitely going to put up some runs this year at some point, right? Probably just Absolutely. F- With those guys, you know it. This was also the largest uh, shutout victory ever recorded on opening day. 12 to nothing. Bummer. Yeah. Well, the next <laughs> night was a pitcher's battle as Mike Morgan, who I've mentioned before, once uh, hit on my mom at a party and could have been my stepfather. Could have been. <laughs> he pitched a beauty for the O's. He went the distance, gave up only three runs on six hits, but the Orioles only played in one run and they fell to 0-2 on the season. Chris Bozzio had a complete game for the Brewers, and Paul Molitor went 3-4 for four as the DH, and probably fathered a kid or two in between a couple of those at-bats.
1: Highly possible. Just odds <laughs> would, would determine this. Yeah, but
0: it's probable, not just possible. Yeah, it's right. probable. Yeah, long game. Uh, off to Cleveland the Orioles go, because who doesn't love an early April game in Cleveland Municipal Stadium where it's drizzling and 45 degrees? I love like it. fun. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you who didn't like it. The Orioles did not like it at all. For the second time in the first three games, they're shut out. And for the second time in three games, they have a complete game thrown against them. Perpetual Cy Young, non candidate Scott Bale spun a three hit shutout, and the Orioles fell to 0 3. After the shutout and being held to one run over their first 27 innings, outfielder Larry Sheets told reporters, quote, Somebody's going to pay for this. Somebody's going to get shellacked. I don't know where or when, but it's going to happen, preferably tomorrow. (laughs) Well, the O's at this point are nothing if not consistent. Game four, knuckleballer Tom Candiotti is on the mound for the four cities. And, well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He threw a complete game, gave up one run, and that was uh, in the ninth inning. Cleveland, they collected 20 hits and put up 12 runs. Ouch. Yeah, every player in the lineup got at least one hit. So it appears that Larry Sheets was right. Somebody did get a shellacking. It was the next day. It just happened to be the Orioles. The the Orioles were shellacked. I mean, it can't get any worse from there, right? They'll turn this thing around post-haste. Have to, right? They have to. All right. Well, two more losses to wrap up the series in Cleveland, one of which was another complete game job. This one by Greg Swindell. Cleveland, I got to say... A very well rested bullpen after this series, they, they should be ready <laughs> for the next series because they're going to have to pitch people, well, you know, just to get them some work after this one. Well, Larry Sheets and Joe Orslock—they're off to hot starts, if there is such a thing, hitting 316 and 389 respectively. But despite two players hitting okay after six games, management decides that they need a change. We've said it before: you can't fire the players, right. so. Cal Ripken Sr. gets the heave ho, and Frank Robinson takes over the reins. Now you gotta imagine this couldn't have gone over well, since there were two Ripkins starting in the infield for the Orioles to <laughs> fire their father, who has been a, a lifer for this organization after a after a 0-6 start. A little, it might have been a hair trigger there. Yeah, the, mm, a little rough. Yeah, but back to Baltimore they go, and the Royals are in town. Baltimore able to sleep in their own beds again. They come out energized and they put up two hits and lose six to one. They fall to (laughs) 0-7 on the season. Next night, more of the same, Baltimore musters four hits this time and lose nine to three. But then the next day, something magical happens. The game is tied heading into the top of the ninth. This is the closest they've come thus far to, to racking up a W. But just an awful Awful play by Jeff Stone in left field for the Orioles, looking like he maybe had never stepped into the outfield of a major league stadium before. (laughs) On a pretty easy fly to left, it goes past him. The Royals go ahead. Gene Garber comes out to finish it off in the bottom of the inning. Baltimore gets a complete game from Mike Boddicker. He only gave up five hits and struck out 10. Walked none, but they still lose. (laughs) This is a bad team. You and to I'm an A really
1: try at that point.
0: <laughs> I'm an A's fan, and this would have been hard to watch. Well, surely that close game will spark this team. Cleveland is in town. I mean, the Orioles have seen a lot of their starters, right? They had two complete games out of the first three. Uh, so they're familiar with what they, what they throw. The Orioles are looking to get on the winning side of the ledger. The one problem though, is that Rich yet was on the bump for Cleveland, and Rich yet doesn't lose. <laughs> At least not yet. The Orioles do three to two, falling to 0 and ten on the season. Rich yet—that is a great name. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I think he had a good mustache too. Can't can't say off the top of my head, but former Orioles manager Earl Weaver was asked about what he would do to end a losing streak when he was managing, and uh, he said, "quote I gave the ball to Dave McNally and said pitch a shutout." End quote. Now. Unfortunately for the Orioles, Dave McNally had not pitched in the big leagues for 13 years at this point, so it seemed a bit of a stretch, but at 0-10, I don't know, maybe you sign him to a one-day contract and throw him out there. But darn it, if Mike Morgan doesn't go out there the next day and pitch nine shutout innings for the Orioles, he did it, though. But, there's a but here, a couple of walks and a pass ball led to a run for Cleveland, And uh, here we go, it's tied up. We're going all the way into the 11th inning. Leading off, Billy Ripken apparently flashes a message scribbled on the knob of his bat to Cleveland starter Greg Swindell, who's still in the game. I'm not sure what that said, but I'm sure it was nothing. We'll never hear anything about. I think it said fair friend. Something like, I think you got the first letters right. Yeah. Uh, Billy singles to start the inning. Jim Traber hits into a fielder's choice before Eddie Murray doubles, advancing Traber to third. Runners on second and third, one out. Cal Ripken Jr. at the plate, and he lines back to the pitcher. So nobody advances. Larry Sheets is intentionally walked, and then Terry Kennedy strikes out looking to end it. How are you not swinging with two strikes with a runner at third, and you're 0 and 10 Ooh. I don't know.
1: Yikes. That's
0: tough. So they're at 0-11 now. A couple of players went to a local comedy club after this game, wanting just to get their minds off the streak. And one of the comics, of course, recognizes them on stage and starts making jokes about them and the team. Uh, Rene Gonzalez was apparently uh, at this comedy club, good old number 88, uh, delivered a good one of his own by heckling the comic, saying, quote, Man, I thought we were the worst at our jobs in Baltimore until we heard you. Good for him. standing up. There you go. Did hear a good Orioles joke here uh, that was passed, bantered around Baltimore at this point. What do Michael Jackson and the Orioles have in common? Tell me. They both wear a glove for no apparent reason. Whoa. hey (laughs) (laughs) Oh, You know who's loving this start, though, for the Orioles is Atlanta. Why, you ask? Well, they also started out 0-10 on the season. But that's where it ended for him. They won their 11th game, but this plague swept over the entire Baltimore organization. Prior to opening day, they went to put a player on the 15-day DL, but they misfiled the paperwork and instead put him on the 21-day DL. Do you remember with the two DLs that were 6 days apart? I don't remember that. But I don't
1: recall that either.
0: I guess After this latest loss, Orioles GM Roland Hemond was on his way to make a roster move, but it had to be delayed a day because he got stuck in an elevator for over an hour after the game and couldn't file the paperwork on time. This seems more like a curse than just a plague at this point. The next day, Cleveland finishes the sweep of the series. They win four to one uh, in the parking lot. Again, I'm gonna say a curse. In the parking lot of Memorial Stadium, somebody left a dog in their car. Not cool, first of all. No. I mean, it's not the middle of summer, but still, let's not do that. Uh, The dog got bored, understandably, and started to jump around, accidentally put the car in gear, and it rolled into two other cars, causing, quote, major damage. So, apparently this car was running. Did they leave the heater on for the dog, or were they just, going to stay for an inning or what I, i'm not entirely sure how this happened but i hope the dog was okay
1: yeah so, that's what matters i'm seriously
0: absolutely uh so cal Ripken jr is certainly not helping this team at this point understandably as the team canned his father the week prior but 12 games into the season cal is hitting 0. 0.047 that's that's anemic i think is the Adjective that usually goes in front of that. But beyond the low batting average, uh, Nolan Ryan at this point had driven in twice as many runs on the season than Cal had. Wow. <laughs> Nolan known for his prowess with the uh, with the bat. With
1: the bat and stealing bases, of course. Yeah.
0: So Baltimore heads to Cleveland's other home field, as I know this from uh, the movie Major League. They head to Milwaukee County Stadium. The Brewers sweep them in three games that were never really in doubt, including yet another complete game by uh, Chris Basio in this uh, this instance. Local DJ Bob Rivers of 98 Rock pledged to stay on the air until the O's won after this latest loss. He started when they were 0-13, and and at one point, over a week into his marathon, somebody asked him what the toughest part of this whole stunt was, and he answered, watching the games after milwaukee off to kansas city spoiler alert the royals swept the season series against the orioles this year so you can guess what happened there they scored five runs in three games and lost them all did baltimore then it's off to minnesota for a series with the twins now when a team is going good players get real superstitious and when things are going bad, they try to change things to, to change up their luck. Enter Larry Sheets. We talked about him earlier, about the shellacking. Well, he, first of all, was the owner of a two-tenths of a point of a, of a mustache. A good bush under the nose and above the lip. Uh, he took one for the team and shaved it off. Ladies around the greater Beltway area felt into a depression for a week or so after that news broke. But uh, didn't help. Uh, In fact, they were losing so much that the Orioles actually went the other way. And instead of changing things, they decided to do things that you do when you're winning, like uh, wearing the same underwear and socks, unwashed until they won a game. Guys on this team literally do stink at this point. (laughs) With nothing left to lose, Frank Robinson draws names out of a hat for the starting lineup against the Twins. And that is how Fred Lynn ended up in the leadoff spot. For the first game. On the third pitch of the game, Fred Lynn takes Frank Viola deep for a leadoff home run. But it doesn't matter. Twins went on to win 4-2 to and extend the Orioles' dubious streak. The next two games were more of the same, and the O's head to Chicago with an 0-21 record. That's so good. Your season's over already, and you're not even out of the first month. How many games below five hundred is that? But you're not good at math. Well, there was magic in the air that night at Old Comiskey Park. Eddie Murray hit a two run job in the top of the first off of Jack McDowell, and that was all the Orioles would need. Cal Ripken ended up with a four for five effort, and Mark Williamson tossed six strong innings, giving up only three hits. Dave Schmidt came in for the uh, rare three inning save, and back in Baltimore, there was dancing in the streets. DJ Bob Rivers cried a little bit and went home for the first time in over a week. And it was done. I mean, it was the the streak was over until the next day when they started a, a two game losing streak before heading back to the friendly confines of Memorial Stadium. Something funny happened in that first game against the Rangers back in Baltimore. The Orioles threw a fan appreciation day in the beginning of May. Fans were encouraged to wear orange. There were going to be marching bands. Well, there were marching bands. And get this a magician.
1: Ooh, one
0: magician. 50,000 people showed up for this game. One magician. He was going to make the loss column disappear. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm guessing with 50,000 people there, he did a little bit of close-up magic. I'm sure, yeah. (laughs) So, a team with the worst start to a season in modern history, 50,402 fans packed the stadium for a fantastic fan night to show their support for their team.
1: That's amazing.
0: That's impressive. I'm in, I'm very impressed with these fans. Not only did the Orioles play in front of a sellout crowd, but Ripken was visited by Morgana, the kissing bandit, during this game. Because uh, back then it was her before. Yeah, well back then it was cool for a fan to run onto the field and sexually assault a person but yeah yeah it was okay back then it was completely acceptable and well you know Ripken did hit a home run that night and the Orioles notched their second win of the season so i would just assume that the Orioles would have paid Morgana to stay there for the rest of the season but i don't think they did <laughs> It was a real cool night, though. Uh, besides all the fans coming out to support their sad sack team, before the game, it was announced that an agreement had been reached for a new stadium for the Orioles, which would become Camden Yards. So, I mean, that was a really big, first of all, cool that all those fans came out. But then also they get the news, hey, you got a new stadium coming your way. Yeah. So, not surprisingly, the Orioles finished in last place that year with a 54 and 107 mark, 34 and a half games behind the Red Sox. Oddly enough though, of all the four last place teams, the Orioles were the fewest games behind the division winner. Both the Mariners and Phillies finished 35 and a half games back and Atlanta finished 39 and a half back. Wow so, so during the streak The Orioles were outscored 44 to 122 Wow Oh my god That is a That's a pretty big run differential right there Yeah The Orioles had a losing record Against every team in the American League that year Except for one Can you guess what that team was Mark Was it the lowly Mariners It was The <laughs> Orioles went 7-5 and five against the Mariners that year uh, like I said, the the uh, Royals swept them a perfect 12 and O mark against wow. Baltimore. So it should be noted, uh, as I said, they they finished the season with a 54 and 107 mark. The Orioles in 2018 and 2019 finished with records of 47 and 115 and 54 and 108. <laughs> so uh, a bit of a renaissance uh, for the yes. Orioles. But then they had a great year this year. This last year, Uh, but we can't also forget that in 2021, the Orioles lost 19 games in a row, not to start the season, but they lost 19 in a row. That's right. That's a 40 game losing streak. If you combine them for the (laughs) Orioles. You just had to pause it back then and then restart it. Yeah. So the longest losing streaks of all time. Now, these go back to prior to 1901, which is considered the start of the modern era. But the longest losing streak of all time was 26 by the 1889 Louisville Colonels. Oh, the Colonels. Yeah, I used to bet on them. Well, we've talked about them because on that team was the original Louisville Slugger, the Gladiator... Pete Browning, as well as outfielder Chicken Wolf, <laughs> forgot about Chicken Wolf. Yeah, now I I've got to say, every time I see the word kernels, how how do you pronounce it, kernels? And there's not an R. Oh, colonolols, colonial, colonial. <laughs>
1: uh, we don't know.
0: Yeah, well, the the kernels with an R. I. Put an R in it myself. But uh, in second place with 24 losses, another team that we have covered, the 1899 Cleveland Spiders. One of my favorite episodes. Yes, that's a long ways back. There is a team I did want to mention. The Minnesota Twins currently have an 18-game playoff losing streak intact. So that's 18 games in a row in the playoffs the Twins have lost that's that might even be worse than starting the season 0 and 21 that is definitely rough yeah there you go all right well there it is the 1988 start of the 1988 season i I was originally gonna do the whole season but then i just started reading about each of these games and just wanted to just break it down into 22 game chunks so
1: there were some special games in there
0: there was (laughs) well (laughs) for the uh, the opposition yes yes absolutely all right. There you go. The 1988 uh, Baltimore Orioles. Mark, looking at the uh, time on the uh, the clock here in the side of the old uh, two-strike noise studio, it tells me that we're ready now to head into the final segment of the show, the segment that many like to call, and uh, they call it that because we came up with the name. It's time for Wax Facts. Hit the fans. Wax Facts Hero. to pull the today we've got uh, we've got a special thing we've got a curated pack uh, from longtime listener Marshall Thank you Marshall uh, he has sent us in two packs of 1981 cards these are these are curated packs yeah these are curated packs from 1981. I don't think we've opened up a pack from 1981 before we have not uh, Marshall usually attaches a theme to each pack that we have to guess is that the the case here?
1: It is. You have to guess it because I know the answer when I read it. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, uh, if anybody is unfamiliar with this, uh, Mark and I keep a running tally. Right now, Mark is in the lead 13-12. to 12. He is also the two-time defending champ. Uh, what we do is we will take the baseball reference War of the player from the year of the card. So in this case, 1981. And we will add those up, but we've got a couple of other things that can add or subtract to it. Uh, If there's anything on the player's face, that means glasses, flip down glasses, eye black, uh, facial hair, that's all gonna be an extra tenth of a point. If they've got a really good Larry Sheets-esque mustache, you can get uh, an extra bonus, two tenths of a point for that. Uh, If they're wearing real stirrups or we can see white or gold sanitary socks underneath it, that's an extra tenth of a point. Uh, We can skip the two and ones. No one's going to be wearing two and ones in 1981. If they've got sweatbands with their caricature or their jersey number on it, if any of their final three seasons were played in Seattle. If their batting helmet, this one might come into play, has two ear flaps or no ear flaps, that's an extra tenth of a point as well, as well as batting without any batting gloves. If they won an award that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, or won a Gold Glove, half a point for each. If there is a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they're the focus or not, that's a whole extra point. And Mark, they're both in play this week. Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan on these cards. If Ricky shows up, I get five points. If Nolan Ryan, Mark gets the five. And we're each going to pick a team well, you know what, let's uh you've already looked at these packs. So we're gonna we're gonna skip the team picking for this week.
1: I got, I got a team I wanna
0: pick. <laughs> no, we're gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no on that one. And uh-huh. uh yeah, let's get started. So uh Mark, have you picked which of these packs well, have you looked through these? I have not. Well, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna pick I'm gonna hold one up in your left and one in your right. Okay. And I'm going to I'm gonna do like you, and I'm gonna pick the right because you always seem okay. to win. And then you can choose if you want to go first or last. Uh, You know, why break precedent? I'll go first. All right. (laughs) So uh, go ahead and open this pack. Again, this is a curated pack from uh, longtime listener Marshall. All right. So to start off, we have pitcher for the Pirates,
1: Rod Scurry. I remember Rod Scurry, uh, and I remember his name. Chris Berman called him Rod Scurry with a fringe on top. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, i like it an oklahoma reference that's right yes uh, now if it was a music man reference i'd like it even more but uh now is, how, what's rod looking like in this picture because he always had a good mustache that extended below his lips and he does in this picture yeah i think you're gonna get a two-tenths of a point bonus right there uh <laughs> let's see rod scurry from sacramento all right hey He has passed away in 1992. It says on baseball reference, buried, cremated. So I don't know if somebody's carrying around his ashes or what. But Rod Scurry, eight years in the big leagues. Good news for you. His final season in 88 was with the Seattle Mariners. i have no recollection of him being with the mariners but there it is Uh, in 1981 it was the second year in the big leagues uh, with the bucks four and five with a 3.77 era started a handful of games had some saves 74 innings 65 strikeouts a 97 era plus and that is good for a war of 0.7 plus you get the stash and the Mariner bonus will start you off at one even, unless there's anything else on that card. Um,
1: he's got he, he's not doesn't have glasses. Uh, he's got sideburns. Do those count?
0: Uh, well, you know what? Are they are they good sideburns? Or Brady Anderson got me some points. They're not quite Brady.
1: All right. So I'm I'm gonna go no. All right. No stirrup showing. No, it's a it's one of those uh, just the upper face shot.
0: All right. Well, I I guess the thing here to mention. I mean. Uh, an addiction problem for for scurry uh, died of a cocaine induced heart attack also was part of the pittsburgh drug trials which we have talked about quite a bit and uh, i just posted about uh, because uh, on social media because i had a dale dale barra uh, mm-hmm. atari commercial where <laughs> i wow. could not put that up but uh all right, so Rod Scurry is uh, our first guy. I, I'm filing it away. My first thought when you said Rod Scurry was uh, Pittsburgh drug trials. Let's see if everybody in this pack w- was associated with that.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Your next, your next, uh, or my next guy, uh, Minnesota Twins, Danny Goodwin. I remember Danny Goodwin uh, in the minors. He was a really good minor league ball player. Um, I think he was the number one draft pick.
0: Danny Goodwin. For, yeah, you're right. First overall by the White Sox in 1971. Wow. 70, 71 is um, Mike Schmidt and George
1: Brett's here. They were both selected in 71 consecutively.
0: Well, uh, Danny Goodwin was laughing at them at that point. <laughs> he was, because I believe that was like the second round that
1: Schmidt and and... Brett went consecutively.
0: Well, let's uh let's take a look here. Danny Good won seven years in the big leagues. Hey, in 1982, a handful of games with Oakland, but no Mariners on this. Uh let's see, in 81 was his second to last year. Played in Minnesota 59 games, uh, hit 225, 298 on base, two home runs, 17 RBI. That's good for 74 OPS plus and a minus point nine war. <laughs> Uh, what's the card looking like?
1: It's a big old, beautiful mustache. I mean, this is a two pointer, if ever okay. there was.
0: Yeah, I can. I could Some of these pictures is bordering on a three point mustache.
1: Yeah, it really is. That's that's a Doc Holiday looking. I mean, that's a big Kurt Russell one right there. Yeah.
0: So I said that he was drafted in the first overall pick by the White Sox. Didn't sign. Oh. In 1971, and was not drafted again until 75, when then the Angels took him with the very first pick in the 75 draft. So he was drafted number one once. twice? Yes, oh, four geez. years apart. And those were the only times that he, were, he was drafted. That's crazy. Did we look, was Rod Scurry a number one draft pick? Is that the...
1: I don't think he was. I don't
0: think he was either, but I'm I'm just, I'm trying to, trying to figure out what the what the deal is here. So he played some he played college ball in at the Southern University in Baton Rouge. I guess that's where he spent his years in between being the first overall draft pick. After he retired from baseball, he went back to school at SUBR as it is known and got a degree in zoology. Wow. So good for him. Good for him. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So you're at point three after two players. Next card. Well, first, I want to say I
1: spent a week in Baton Rouge once, and it was, boy, did I eat well. Okay, let's go on to the next card. Uh, Etouffee, boys, and uh, a lot of crawfish. Okay. (laughs) Just my commentary on a a great place, Baton Rouge. All right, pitcher for the Royals, Rich Gale, and he has got some feathered 80s, early 80s, late 70s hair, let me tell you.
0: All right, so we've got Gale and Goodwin back-to-back. After Scurry. Rod Scurry. I was going to say weather related, but I I don't know what. (laughs) Well,
1: it could be because of
0: Rich Gale
1: and uh, Goodwin could be good wind. And then with Scurry, all the blow he did.
0: All right, well, we've got that one solved then. <laughs> All right, Rich Gale was a pitcher. He was a starting pitcher for most of his career. Seven years in the big leagues, most of it with Kansas City. A single year with the Giants, the Reds, and the Red Sox. In 81 with the Royals, he went 6-6 six six with a 5.4 ERA. 100-plus innings, 47 strikeouts, 67 ERA plus, and that is good for a minus point one war. Ouch! Is there anything on that card that's going to help you?
1: You know, he's got a big old bushy beard and mustache. Yeah, uh, is it is it
0: two point a two tenths of a point? Nah, I give it a one. Uh, I give it a one. I don't know if I said that right. That is a minus one point zero, not a mi- not oh, a minus point one, a minus one point zero. You know, Rich Gale, I got glasses
1: and a mustache we forgot to look at.
0: Oh, all right. Well, then we'll give him an extra tenth of a point there. Bring you up to minus 0.5. woo Well, uh, we, we're in the room of with royalty here for Rich Gale. The uh, He earned honorable mention as the New Hampshire Athlete of the Century.
1: Ooh! Go New Hampshire.
0: Tells you that New Hampshire does not produce a whole lot of athletes.
1: <laughs> it was honorable mention you know it's pretty sweet that's honorable
0: uh let's see after his time in the majors went and played for the hanshin tigers where he pitched the uh, japan uh won the first ever japan series he pitched the winning game in 1985 nice. isn't that the uh that's the the curse year where they they won but the the curse was bestowed upon them after right? yes yeah. that's right also played for the fort Fort Myers Sun Sox in the senior professional league, and then after that, he hooked up with the uh, Red Sox and uh, pitched in their AAA at Pawtucket after playing in the senior league. Nice, yeah. Wow, he got. I think he liked to play. Oh wow, get this. So I don't know. Do you know about this Hyatt Regency walkway collapse? Ooh. This disaster that happened. No uh, I forget where it was. I, for some reason I want to say it was in Kansas City. and uh, it was this huge hotel and they had this big walkway in inside. and uh, they were having a big party and this walkway collapsed. And uh, I think a bunch of people unfortunately, oh, killed 114. Oh, oh, it came down onto a dance floor. He was working as a bartender in the lobby. Because MLB was on strike at this point. Oh
1: my God. So he
0: witnessed this whole thing. We got to get him on the show. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to talk about that. That's all.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, he's been through a lot of stuff, he's, yeah. he's seen a lot.
0: All right. So you're at minus 0.5. We'll move on to the next card.
1: Mm, the one and only catcher for the White Sox, Marvis Foley. Marvis, a great backup
0: catcher. I am not familiar with Marv Foley marvis edwin foley five years in the big leagues uh, four with chicago one with the rangers in 1984 did not play in 1981 so uh oh, nice. you, you'll anything on the card will help you out but you're not in the negative as of yet
1: he's got a mustache and a, and a really cool curly ass set of hair <laughs>
0: Well, I can't. I don't think the hair is gonna get you anything. Yeah, I know, I just but. am jealous. Uh, but he does have the uh, beard and mustache. All right, so you can get the uh, the mustachio points.
1: I don't think Marvis Foley has anything to do with wind. <laughs>
0: no. Well, a Foley artist could make wind noises. For That's me. true. <laughs> I think we're stretching though. <laughs> uh, get this: so after he uh, after he uh, wrapped up his career, he went into coaching. He managed uh, a team at Vancouver. Started the season with a twenty four and thirty nine mark and was replaced by Mo Drabowski, patron oh, saint, patron saint of two strike noise. Uh, he went on to do it looks like quite a bit of coaching and managing throughout the majors and uh, some in the in the major leagues as well. But uh, Mar Foley, I am still struggling to find the uh, the link here. Should it be obvious? Um.
1: I can't really answer that. I can't. If I I say it, you'll figure it out. All right. Next card, then. Okay. Uh, Outfielder for the Orioles, Gary Reneke
0: All right. Well, Gary Reneke let's see, uh, spent most of his career with Baltimore. 12 years in the big leagues, eight with Baltimore. Uh, 1981 played all three outfield positions 85 games hit 269 a 340 on base that's okay three home runs 20 rbi and a 109 ops plus and that will equal a war of 1.7 very nice right gary reneke uh let's see i'm gonna guess that gary has a mustache doesn't he he does is it a two-pointer or just a regular one?
1: You know he's pretty far away and I can't tell, so I can only give him the one point. But he is going to get a point for stirrups.
0: Oh, very nice. But I think I might have also stumbled upon the uh, <laughs> the thing that links all these together. Now, yeah. see, I'm at a disadvantage because I can't see the the cards. This is true. So, this is true. But uh, yeah, I believe everybody thus far has gotten uh, gotten uh, mustache points.
1: There so. you go. Yep, facial hair or something on the face. Very nice. Very nice. Well done, Marshall.
0: All right. So, uh, Gary Renicky, first round draft pick by the Expos in 1973. Uh, he was traded by the Expos along with the fellow patron saint of Two Strike Noise, Don Stanhouse. Nice. <laughs> Don, we've got a lot of relievers that are uh, patron saints. <laughs> That's because relievers are goofy. They, uh, they are built from a different cloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Reneke was a member of that 83 Orioles World Series team that we uh, mentioned during the uh, first part of the show. Renike resides in Rough and Ready, California. Nice. I am a California native. I never heard of Rough and Ready.
1: Well, it's not your kind of town, pal.
0: Well, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no offense. <laughs> it's, it looks like it's a mining town. I Don't take my California card away. All right, so you're at 1.5 now. Next card. Next card from the Yankees, catcher Rick Cerrone. Rick Cerrone. I remember he was on the Yankees when Ricky was there for a while. And he's got a good mustache. Look at that. There you go. (laughs) Rick Cerrone, a good catcher. I mean, he's, uh, you know, not great with the stick, but he was a solid 80s catcher.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, Tough guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 18 years in the big leagues. Didn't he get in a good brawl one time with somebody? We'll have to look that up. But I yeah. th- I seem to remember he might have been involved in some sort of tussle. Uh, but 18 years in the big leagues, seven with the Yankees, and then a whole bunch of seasons with other teams for just one or two years in 1981 71 games for the yanks 244 average 276 on base two home runs 21 rbi and a 79 ops plus and that will equal a minus 0.1 but he's got the mustache is it a two-tenths of a point or just one
1: and this you know i've seen a two-tenths around before, around before but i gotta give this one just a one point
0: all right uh, anything else because that, that the mustache will wipe out the minus one
1: no, nothing else. Just a nice catcher's
0: helmet on and a uh, half smile. Okay, only really points for half smiles. <laughs> no, uh, good news here. Well, not good news, but very interesting. Again, first round overall pick by Cleveland in 1975. Wow, got a lot of first rounders in this pack.
1: And guess what? Went to Seton Hall University uh, with other, you know, a uh, place with uh, such alumni as Craig Biggio and move on. Oh, wow, very nice. Yeah. I'm kind of a fan of Seton Hall's baseball
0: program. What What's their mascot? The Pirates. I bet their logo's not as cool as the Pittsburgh Pirates, though. <laughs> the letter P? No, the pirate, the drunk <laughs> yeah. pirate with the iPad. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember. So, Saron did get in a fight. But it was a verbal one, and we talked about this with Steinbrenner. They were not happy with oh, each yeah. other. But yeah, that's oh, yeah. that's what I was thinking about. All right, uh, you're at 1.5. I imagine you've got one or two cards left. There's uh, four. Holy <laughs> All right, next.
1: <laughs> we gotta move. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so for the Pirates, a pitcher Buddy Solomon. Uh,
0: I am not familiar with Buddy Solomon. Yeah, me neither, to be honest. All right, so Buddy... His real name's Eddie Solomon. His nickname his nickname was Buddy J, which I don't know what that is. But uh, let's see, ten years in the big leagues for Buddy J. Uh, three with the Bucks, three with Atlanta, and then a bunch of other teams. Nineteen eighty one with the Pirates, he went eight and six with a three point one two ERA. Started most of the games. Uh, also has a save. One twenty uh, seven, one hundred twenty seven uh, innings pitched. Only thirty eight strikeouts not uh he will he wants you to put the ball in play apparently there you go 117 era plus though and that will equal a war of 2.8 oh not bad yeah buddy jay coming up clutch uh he's got a mustache how good is it it's a one pointer it's kind of a hulk hogan but it's not super thick all right anything else on that card gonna get you any
1: no just a blank stare
0: No. all right Maybe, you know, I guess Marshall gave me a clue when he said we should reinstate the facial hair rule for this one. It didn't seem to help, though. No. Listen, I got it after, like, five cards. That's you did good. get it. You Again, I can't see these cards. Here, you are
1: ready for this next one? Because not only has he come up on Two Strike Noise, he's come up on this show, and not only in the show, in this pack. Uh-oh. ladies <laughs> and Gentleman Don Stanhouse.
0: <laughs> nice. I think maybe a new rule next year, if you, if we draw a patron saint, it's an automatic plus five. There you go, a patron saint. <laughs> Don Stanhouse is just, I mean, the, the most famous picture of him is just bright, bushy, red hair coming out from under an Orioles cap and a huge, bushy red mustache. I mean, it is just, it's one of my favorite shots. I, I'm going to go ahead and give you two tenths of a point for the mustache just without even asking about it.
1: Oh yeah, he's uh, well deserving in this picture.
0: Guess what? Also a first round draft pick. Wow! So maybe there's two themes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Stanhouse played for ten years in the big leagues. 1981 was not one of them. 82 was his last season. He did not play in 81. So uh, unless there's anything else on that card, you're not you're you're just gonna get the two tenths of a point for that ginger stash.
1: Yeah, just just the stash for me.
0: All right, well, we don't need to go over the rest of the stuff. Go back and listen to the Don Stanhouse episode. It was a really good one. Yeah, and of course, he was traded for Gary Reneke, who we just talked about, so.
1: All right. All right, our next card, another guy we like to talk about, uh, and we think about
0: mustaches when you think of him, Sparky Lyle. Definitely ever pulled a Sparky Lyle mustache. No. Now, does he have, in, in the picture here on Baseball Reference, he has got two-tenths of a point worth of sideburns. Oh,
1: no, not in this card. <laughs> no. uh,
0: okay, well, the count is uh, Spart- Albert Walter Lyle, known as Sparky or the Count. Uh, Cy Young Award winner, won two World Series with the uh, with Yankees. Let's see, 16 years in the big leagues for Sparky. Um, but, 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 most of it with the Yankees. Seven with the Yankees, five with the Red Sox, and then some more teams. In 1981... He was with the Phillies. He went 9-6, and six, 4.44 ERA, 48 games, two saves, 75 innings pitched, 29 strikeouts, and an 82 ERA plus. And that will equal a minus 0.3.
1: <laughs> it was the end of his career. It was later in Sparky's yeah. career, yeah. Uh,
0: how, how much for the mustache?
1: Oh, two for sure.
0: All right. Anything else on that card going to help you out? No, no, another close-up. All right, so that'll that'll be a minus point one. The the mustache saved you from from too much there. All right, well, let me just give you the highlights of Sparky Lyle because I, I want to save some of this for an episode. But uh, Sparky Lyle, professional hot foot giver, first of all, <laughs> but one of his best pranks is he would be known to sneak into the clubhouse uh, when it was somebody's birthday. It would inevitably roll in a birthday cake. And uh, he would drop his pants and sit on the cake, leaving an imprint of his posterior for his teammates. Oh, wow. I bet he didn't leave a very good impression. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one right there. Uh, Ron Swoboda was a teammate with him. And well, let's just say he got back at him when uh, it was Lyle's birthday one time. I'm not going to tell you exactly what he did because we're. We're family friendly here. Uh, also, at one point, uh, with a with a syringe, injected some uh, ointment into a uh, tube of toothpaste that Yogi Berra was going to use. Where <laughs> Yogi did not have a good reaction when that hit his gums. Wow, Sparky. Mark that down for an episode. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> All right, you're at 4.5. Your last card is? Steve Trout, pitcher for the White Sox. Oh, boy. Steve Trout. Now, I know and the son of Dizzy Trout. Don't forget. Oh, well, let's uh, don't want to don't want to dismiss a trout nicknamed Rainbow. Well, there's a shock. He was not a first round draft pick.
1: OK, in fact, there I we think,
0: go. I don't think he was drafted. Uh, wait, <laughs> check that. Drafted by the Chicago White Sox in the first round of the 1976 draft.
1: Oh, well, there we have it.
0: Uh, now, Marshall, are you sure these cards aren't, aren't worth something? They're all first round draft picks. <laughs> Yeah, I can't send them back. Uh, there's no um, there's no ability to do so. <laughs> All right, Steve Trout, 12 years in the big leagues, five with the White Sox, five with the Cubs. Good news for you, final two seasons both spent with Seattle. Yeah. There you go. Oh, uh, I 80, remember. 81 with the uh, White Sox, went 8-7, and seven, a 3.47 ERA, 124 innings pitch, 54 strikeouts, a 103 ERA plus, and that is good for a 1.4 war. Uh, what's going on on the card?
1: Uh, no mustache, but a big, beautiful, huge pair of glasses, sunglasses, <laughs> and they take up half his
0: face, man. <laughs> all right. Well, so that's uh, that's a positive tenth of a point. That's good for you there. Uh, Trout. How about this? Uh, co-wrote a children's illustration book called Lucy Goosey Baseball. Nice. Yeah. How about that? Uh, all right. So you ended up with six points even. <laughs>
1: Not the best score ever.
0: No, but I don't know. Marshall could have made these equal six apiece. So I don't know. Let's uh let's get into my pack.
1: All right, here we go. Here we go. These okay. guys are all gonna okay. have
0: glasses, aren't they?
1: <laughs> all right. We're gonna start off with first baseman for the Mets, Mike Jorgensen.
0: I am not familiar with Mike Jorgensen. Now are we sure that it's not pronounced Mike Jorgensen?
1: No, we're not sure.
0: I'm pretty sure it's not, but um, let's see. Fourth round draft pick. So no first rounders here so far. Uh, Had a good career, 17 years in the big leagues, from 1968 all the way to 1985. 1981 with the Mets, 86 games, a 205 average, 270 on base, three home runs, 15 RBI, and a 78 OPS plus. And that equals a war of a positive 0.1 somehow. (laughs) <laughs> i'll take it yeah he was great defensively apparently uh, i think he did win a gold glove one year but uh anything else on this card gonna help me out no no wait wait we got stirrups yeah we got real stirrups nice we always love that yeah he did win one gold glove in 1973 oh wow so, but uh that is a two-tenths of a point to start out with oh how about this for trivia Mike Jorgensen is the only Major League Baseball player to have been born the day Babe Ruth died. Ooh, wow. That's some trivia right there. And played first base. Look at that. (laughs) In New York. Look at that. Okay, so Jorgensen was hit by a pitch in the head by Andy Hassler in 1979. Uh, It was discovered he had a small blood clot, which apparently caused a seizure and could have caused Death. Oy. The next year, Expo's rookie Bill Gullickson threw a pitch over Jorgensen's head. And uh Jorgensen did not like that and had to be separated by teammates. Mm. Wow. All
1: right. And your next player, third baseman for the Indians, Toby Hera. I remember Toby. I do too. I remember mostly with the Rangers, though.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think let's see. Toby Hera, 17 years in the big leagues, eleven with the Texas Rangers. Wow. Then five with Cleveland and a solitary year with the Yankees. 1981, oh, I just missed out on a good year. But, well, you know, he had a, a good year here. Hit 291, 382 on base. Let's see, five home runs, 44 RBI, 12 stolen bases, only caught one time. And a 124 OPS plus. And that equals a war of 2.0. Wow,
1: that's a third of my whole
0: score. Yeah, how's the, uh, how's the card looking?
1: Um, you got your stirrups again, man. And so, it's hard to tell. Let me let me get a closer look here.
0: Yeah, we got them finished. All right, so have both have all my players had stirrups showing thus far? Yes. Yeah, I think we might be onto something. All both of them. All right, so I'm at 2.5. Next card. First baseman for the Yankees, Jim Spencer. Not Shane Spencer. No, Jim. Jim. Grandson of Ben Spencer. Played 1 year in 1913. Wow, Yeah, for the Washington Senators, that's uh, pretty impressive. Let's see, Jim Spencer, wow, 15 years in the big leagues uh, from 1968 to 1982. In 1981, he split time between the Yankees and the A's. He hit a robust 188, four home runs, 13 RBI for a 54 OPS plus. And all of this is good for a war of minus one.
1: Ooh. Full point.
0: Yeah, uh, what's going on in that card? No glasses, no mustache, no stirrups. Oh, all right. It's a it's an empty. Won a World Series in 1978 with the Yankees, so he's got he's got a ring. First round draft pick, California Angels, 1965.
1: Very nice. You guys are all like at the twilight of their career. I'm
0: saying, does that have something to do with the? Uh, I don't know if they all played for the A's to end their their careers. <laughs> Yeah, I, we don't really have a clue as of, uh, as of yet as to what these all have in common. I'm at 1.5.
1: All right, your next card, Rangers outfielder Al Oliver,
0: formerly of the Pirates, of course. Let's see, Al Oliver. Al Oliver, 18 years in the big leagues. Uh, won a World Series in 1971. All-star seven times, three times Silver Slugger. Won a batting title in 1982. Just oh. missed it. Uh, 1981 with the rangers let's see he hit 309 with a 348 on base i like it all-star this year got nvp votes four home runs 55 rbi and a 125 ops plus and that will equal a war of 1.5 he was an all-star so that'll be two uh anything on that card gonna help me out
1: let's see al you know those are real stirrups he's got real stirrups and a mustache
0: all right, I'll take that. All right, uh, so I'm at 3.7. Next card.
1: All right, next card is an NL All-Star
0: outfielder for the Dodgers, Reggie Smith. Reggie Smith, another good player. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, Reggie, 17 years in the big leagues. Eight with Boston, won a World Series in 1981. Seven-time All-Star, also won a Gold Glove. Uh, 1981, that World Series year with the Dodgers. <clears throat> only appeared in 41 games hit 200 yeah not doing a whole lot there in in 1981. he was only 36 years old so I think that throws the over 40 out of the out of the running overall war minus 0.1 uh, anything like on one of my guys card gonna help me out
1: big mustache that's a two-pointer in fact that's a bushy guy right nice.
0: there uh just a, a little insight here to uh Uh, reggie smith uh he has a pilot's license and can play seven different musical instruments does not say if he can play them all at the same time if it's a one-man band type situation
1: (laughs) yeah i always wanted to learn to play the one-man band (laughs) all right so i'm at 3.8 next card next card third baseman for the giants you may know him from the braves daryl evans
0: All right, let's see. Daryl Evans, uh, 21 years in the big leagues. Is it something to do with the amount of time they played in the big leagues? I don't know. Two-time All-Star member of the 1984 World Series team with the Tigers. In 81, he was still with the Giants. 102 games, hit 258, 356 on base. He had 12 home runs, 48 RBI, and a 121 OPS plus. And that equals a war of 3.0. Wow. Way to go, Daryl. That's half your score and puts me in the lead temporarily, at least. Anything on that card going to help me out? Yeah, he's got the real stirrups. Nice. 81, man. They like their stirrups. I was just having a discussion on social media the other day. I remember there was a time when teams mandated that you had to show certain number of inches of your stirrups. And that was like in the mid to late 80s. So it doesn't surprise me here.
1: the the DeShields took that very seriously. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, so did Sean Dunstan. Well, I guess he didn't right. show the horseshoe. He showed just the the stirrup part. Uh, all right, so I'm at six point nine. You finished with six even. Can we just call the game now? Uh, yeah, probably
1: because I'm I'm thinking you might have a couple of decent players here. All right, next card. All right, next card is catcher for the Cardinals. A long time catcher for the Cardinals, Ted Simmons. I
0: think I'm going to get some Hall of Fame points there as well. This guy. This guy. Caught
1: 150 games every year, at least.
0: Jeez. (laughs) Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, 21 years in the big leagues, 13 with St. Louis, five with Milwaukee, three with Atlanta. 1981, he was an All-Star this year. Hit 216, 262 on base, 14 home runs, 61 RBI, and an 87 OPS+. That is good for a war of 0.3. I've got the Hall of Fame and the All-Star, so that will be a 1.8... Barring anything else on the card, uh, this guy's clean shaven, and you can't see us he got stirrups or not. First round draft pick, 1967, by the Cardinals, and mm-hmm. at one point was traded for Rick Sarone. Maybe everyone was
1: traded for Rick Sarone,
0: or maybe just everybody was traded for somebody else in the, in the prior pack. <laughs>
1: wow, that would throw us off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think this is the longest we've gone without being able to figure out the uh, the connection. Well, I've got I've got an idea. Everybody was born in the 40s hmm. so far. So maybe that's it. Maybe that maybe they were all drafted in the same year and we just haven't been paying attention.
1: Oh, Maybe.
0: All right. All right. Next card? Next card. Third baseman, third base, first baseman for the Brewers, Don Money. You said Brewers and said Don and I figured it's not going to be Don August and Don Money was the next guy that came to mind.
1: <laughs> that's right. Don
0: Done money. money. No money. All right. 16 years in the big leagues. 11 with Milwaukee, 5 with Philadelphia. 1981 uh, with the Brewers. 60 games at 216, average 288 on base. Two home runs, 14 RBI, and a 70 OPS plus. And that's going to get me a positive 0.1. I'll, I'll take it. It's not negative. Yeah. Uh, anything else on that card going to help me out? You've got some stirrups. Nice.
1: Down to your final card. And, okay, he has the uh, connection at the very end. All
0: right, well, tell me the card first,
1: and let's see. All right, Uh, this is a guy they call Le Grand Orange. Oh. And he's with the Rangers in this one, DH outfielder Rusty Staub.
0: Rusty, I think of Rusty, I think of the Mets. I think probably most people do, or the Expos. Uh, Let's see, 23 years, jeez. Wow. Nine with the Mets, six with the Astros, four with uh, Montreal, Uh, four with Detroit, and one with Texas. In 1981, he went back to the Mets for uh, another stint, for a five-year stint at 37 years old. Wow. Uh, 70 games he played, he hit 3.17 with a 3.98 on on-base percentage. Five home runs, 21 RBI. He had a stolen base and was not caught. boy. A 147 OPS plus, and that equals a war of one. Anything else on that card going to help me out?
1: Not this time.
0: All right, let's see here. Rusty Staub. Wow, he's traded for a lot of names, as you can guess, playing that that long of a time. Rusty Staub has likewise published a children's book. It was called Hello, Mr. Met. (laughs) Nice. And uh, he was also uh, enshrined into the baseball reliquary Shrine of the Internals in 2018. Well, of course. So good for him. All right. Well, good news for me is uh, I ended up with a 9.9 compared wow. to your uh, compared to your six. So that will bring us level at 13 apiece. Now, we still have the unfinished business here of trying to figure out the uh, connection between these guys. And I, especially without the cards, so I can look through their names and so forth in front of me, I got, I'm stumped. All right. And, and I was on to something
1: with the 40s. But what the connection is? Every one of those guys started their career in the nineteen sixties.
0: Ah, okay okay. It's well, a tough one, but yeah, it's good. We kind of we kind of did it because a lot, most of these guys had long careers, and I, I know I read a couple of guys, but you know that they started in the sixties. But I would have not gotten that. That's uh, that
1: Marshall has stumped us.
0: Yes, congratulations,
1: Marshall. Your prize is in the mail.
0: Yep keep a, keep a lookout for
1: that we'll send you the same thing we
0: sent you last time <laughs> <laughs> all right so thank you again hey uh, if you want to send us a curated pack just let us know uh you know just make sure it's between eight and ten cards if you want to put a theme on it that's great if you just want to stick some players in there that uh we haven't talked about or you want us to talk about uh if you want to give a pack to me specifically that you know will score higher than the other pack uh you feel free to do that just let us know which one i get uh, and uh, yeah, we'll do that. If you do want to get a hold of us, you can find us all over the internet. Uh, we're at Two Strike Noise. You can find us uh, on Instagram, on all the other social apps where you put an at in front of your name. We also have a, a Facebook page, which has uh, got some steam going. We got a good number of followers already. We appreciate it. Uh, that's probably the best place to get a hold of us on the internet, unless you want to send some email, which of course, Mark, that's your special.
1: Yes. Yeah, send it to two strike noise spell the two T-W-O, not tootwo strike noise at gmail.com
0: what about to strike noise no give
1: it a shot see if i get it <laughs> I'm going to guess she won't. So,
0: yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode. And you know what, Mark? Let's do this again next week. Uh, I'm up for it. All right. We'll see uh, everybody again on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.